Hello. How you doing? I'm doing. It's a little Joey Tribbiani action right there. <laughs> yep. Classic. Phil Collins. Phil huh? Collins. They just yeah. played their last ever show. Phil Collins with Genesis maybe a month ago at yeah. Wembley Stadium. How old is that guy? He's in his 70s, but he's in pretty rough shape, man. Yeah. And I guess he attributes a lot of it to, I guess, the way he used to sit himself while he was playing drums. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. But that's the thing, right? Like, you see them, and I feel like the Rolling Stones were old in the 80s, and they just continue to just keep going. Yeah, they're, like, mummified. Seriously. I remember a few years ago, I was talking to my uncle and just mentioning how that's one band that I always wanted to see in the, in the, the Rolling Stones. And he's like, well, you better hurry up. <laughs> Here we are, 10 years later. I, I think you have a couple generations ahead of you before uh, you might not be able to see them again. <laughs> it's insane, right? Yeah. It just goes on forever. Yeah. I feel like Mick Jagger is going to turn like 140 one day and he'll still be singing. And he's still scooting around on stage. You see, he had yeah. heart surgery and then he was posted a video on Instagram like a, a month later where he's practicing his dance moves in, a, in front of a mirror. It's, it's insane. <laughs> he's choreographed like the guy's 100 years old and he's scooting around on stage. Hey, God and then bless. Michael, Michael Jackson, of all people, 52, dead, yeah. done. Decided to take a, a long nap. Yeah. Some propofol. Propofol will do that on occasion. Mm-hmm. You're not watching. Oh, yeah. Oh, it will. You know what else puts you to sleep? Tell me. Oof. Bullet. <laughs> that, that, that'll give you a dirt nap. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a good segue into the week that we've had. <laughs> yeah. I definitely didn't intend that to come out that way. <laughs> no. No. Jesus. No, definitely not. Well, I'm sticking to the Johnny Black before we get into the meat of what we want to talk about. So I got to finish this bottle. Um, yeah, my Costco size bottle of Johnny Black. So uh, bottoms up to this one. I think this is going to be a, a mega pint of Johnny Black. A that, mega uh, pint. That we're drink Johnny Depp. <laughs> That's right. A, a mega a, pint yeah, they of should, wine. They should have like the Johnny Depp uh, edition of, of Johnny Walker scotch <laughs> cheers my friend salute salute you know it's funny you start off talking about johnny depp one as well segue into our, our yeah. first topic of discussion so now that that court case is wrapped up i don't know what i'm going to enjoy myself with in these little video clips from the from the court here i mean there's enough that'll last about a year every now and then tuning back to one but that's that was a funny one where they were talking about yeah. mega pints and just some of the sound bites that came from it and yeah what a circus of a trial that was i'd say so i mean when you have the the judge is sitting up there and she's telling amber heard while she's on the stand to stop addressing the jury and actually just like talk to the court because it was plain to see that she was just up there basically performing and i remember i saw the first day that she took the stand we had it on kind of in the background at work and me and a coworker we looked at each other like dude she's 100 percent performing just so yeah. like over the top theatrical and when you start doing that it takes away from any credibility that you might have because if it looks like you're performing people are going to think the whole thing is just an act and well yeah 
And it's it, it it goes to show that she's a sociopath. I mean, that's just another nail in the coffin for that assessment of who she really is. But isn't most of Hollywood? Well, yeah. I mean, you'll see a lot of a lot of Hollywood folks that actually do have some sort of mental illness. I think a lot of them probably have things like bipolar disorder and do best when they're acting, when they're in that manic phase of bipolar. Um, because the, the way, you know, the way mania works is that you really have no inhibitions. You, like you, you don't self-control yourself and you don't self-control your emotions, your thoughts and all that other stuff. So you just go completely bananas. No, so I mean, when you see like a lot of people are... like method acting, right? Like I remember years ago with who was it? You know, we talked about Johnny, Johnny Cash, who was, who was in that Phoenix, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, yeah. When he had his whole thing. And then next thing you know, he was, he came out with a movie where he was being that person that he was pretending to be. Yeah. Uh, one incident that stands out was when he was on uh, David Letterman and it was like the most awkward interview. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing like that, it, you know, when, when they're in that state of mind, good, bad, or indifferent, um, it really helps them to kind of step out of who they actually are in real life. Cause like, you know, if some of us tried, tried to get into acting, like, you know, somebody says, Oh, you have to, you have to be, um, I don't know, uh, a, a maniac or so, I don't know, whatever in, in a movie, or you have to be like a, a, a serial killer. You have to act like a serial killer. I mean, like most normal people are going to be like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, and, and I can't get into that state of mind, but a lot of these actors, because they can, they can really completely unhinge themselves from reality. They're able to do that because they, and again, I'm not, I'm not generalizing everybody, but you'll Some. see a lot of people in Hollywood, a lot of, a lot of celebrities um, have some sort of pre-existing mental illness going on. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you're pretending to be somebody else, but some of it, I think, is just. I've always admired acting, especially like going to a play and watching somebody perform and be somebody else right in front yeah. of you. Number one, because I struggle sometimes in front of large groups of people talking with mm -hmm. anxiety. Um, I notice even that's normal. Work right, right. It's normal. But could you imagine in front of like an entire audience of people, possibly you know. 10 to 15,000 yeah. people, you know, up yep. there giving me a That's why I always admire like people that give like Ted talks. Yeah. Even if for that, because there's a lot of times, I mean, I watch a Ted talk and I'm like, well, this person is completely full of shit. I don't really agree with whatever they're talking about. Something, some, I mean, some of them are, are fantastic. They're amazing. Yeah. You hear some people's stories like Jocko has an amazing one. And yeah. Stream ownership. That one's intense. Yes, I like does. that one a lot. Um, there's Esther Perel. She did one about uh, just love and, and love, mating in captivity, I think is the book that she wrote, but she expanded on that. And, and a couple other ones, I'm not going to get onto it, but um, just being able to do a presentation like that in front of a, an audience like that, I, I think was amazing. But to pretend that you're somebody else, like, I mean, I, there's been scenarios where we actually had to do like act out um, situations at, at work and training situations. And I've gotten to be the crazy person and I took it to a complete different realm. <laughs> where somebody won't tell me he's like looks at me as we're walking out he's like you're fucking crazy so maybe i am maybe there's a little bit of mania within me who knows maybe it is but it was just a chance to, to play something else. that's why when i saw that did you ever see that movie split yes there's split with glass and and yep. unbreakable like mm -hmm. split I, after watching that i saw what was his name that played that character I, I james Matt james mcavoy james mcavoy he must have had so much fun playing that role oh yeah he's a fantastic actor absolutely fantastic yeah 
yeah. but being able to to segue between different characters and such like he had like the, in, the, in, the old maid that was in the head there's just like yeah did, did you see how jacked he got when when he was what was it the, the oh, beast or the, the horde beast. yeah yeah the horde yeah. right yeah he was a fucking maniac in that role but yeah I, no I, not, not to get too far off the beaten path but I, you know i think what a lot of that comes down to is practice and being comfortable in what you're doing i mean if you caught me 20 some odd years ago saying that i'd be giving speeches to crowds of people or i'd be doing presentations to crowds of people on a very specific in depth, you know scientific or medical subject i would have told you you're out of your fucking mind but um i've done it so many times that at this point in time it's i get very comfortable with it i mean i've given I've given a talk, a, a continuing education credit presentation. I think the biggest one is probably to about 300 people or so um, back, let's say about five years ago, coming on five years ago at the, at the casino here in Connecticut, actually, was for a pharmacist convention. So I gave a talk on a, on a certain type of infectious diarrhea. That's very oh, that's common a lovely hospitals. topic. That's oh, a lovely absolutely. Topic. absolutely. I mean, it's funny. You're basically getting in front of a, a group of 300 people and telling shit jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much yep yeah but also like you know uh, it, it's funny because i say that in, in just like i'll have to to read off like a list of names or whatever at the beginning mm -hmm. and then sometimes you know we have to talk about a different scenario or something that happened or or just brief them about something in general and i'm more comfortable in doing that than i was when i was basically reading a piece of paper just checking off names yeah i've noticed like, I'm like why am i struggling with that part of it yeah the i mean the, the key to all that is rehearsing and slowing down yeah, slowing down, and also, it's it's crazy, but just there's other things that contribute to an anxiety that a lot of times you don't really think about, and that's sleep. I saw yeah. something today. It was just talking about like having plants in your house that helps reduce anxiety. You know, it also helps reduce anxiety. Lord of mercy, Johnny Black. <laughs> also, alcohol could contribute to anxiety. <laughs> yes, especially afterwards. <laughs> They call that hangxiety, I believe. That's the first I've heard of that. Oh, really? You never heard that? I like right? it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Inject that into your daily vocab. <laughs> nice. I like but, it. But, you know, back to the, what we were talking about with the whole Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing, like, it, it's just the part that gets me the most is that, you know, women are victims of abuse. Yes. You know, things like this do happen. I mean, uh, one thing you see for certain is this is definitely uh, the biggest illustration of a toxic relationship on Absolutely. a national, uh, you know, on a national stage. I know worldwide stage because let's face it. I mean, these are Hollywood celebrities. People pay attention to them in other countries. But the fact that, you know, she basically, you know, what we're saying with the verdict um, and holding her liable for, for defamation of character is that, you're saying that she lied about this, essentially. So yeah. what does that do to actual real-life victims? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. where you have somebody here, which, you know, you, 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 watch the, you watch the trial and watch them on stand, and you, you see why the verdict went the way that it did. Yeah. And just like, the, the, I mean, how many times she got caught in lies, right? I mean, I remember early on, there was the incidents where they were talking about, uh, you know, a certain specific type of makeup that she used to cover her bruises. And she, the problem yep. was, is that she said that it was a certain type of makeup. And then later to find out that that company didn't start making that makeup until after the alleged attacks yeah. or what have you, the incidents of, of abuse actually took place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, there, that, there that's basically no the equivalent of like saying that Paul Revere inactivated a community response by you know using a telephone. Yeah, and there was no telephones yet. Exactly. Yeah, I mean you don't you don't make a good case for yourself when when you're completely full of shit on the stand, and when you're when you're dancing around questions and you can't you can't answer them directly. I mean it's I, I know that you know that's that's a common tactic for lawyers. For their clients to basically to defend themselves and not incriminate themselves, but and when you're doing that throughout the whole trial, people can can really see through your bullshit. And it well, also really when you're your calling case. witnesses that are completely going to say that your perspective is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, she didn't. Isn't she the one that called Kate Moss to the stand? I believe so. Yeah, because she was saying somebody basically. I don't know who called Kate Moss to the stand, but I do know that when Amber Heard was on the stage, she, she said that, you know, one of the things she retreated from something happened, whatever, you know, I think her reason for hitting him or something like that, or uh, I could be completely full of shit as to that part. But I do know that she said she would just remember back and think of the time that Johnny Depp threw Kate Moss down the stairs. And when she mentioned that, there was video clips, and this is even before Kate Moss took the stand, but when they, they, they were saying that when they, that happened, him and his lawyer looked at each other and basically fist bumped. I don't yeah. know if they actually did fist bump or if it figuratively fist bumped. So I heard. <laughs> but, and the reason for that is a week later, you know, Kate Moss does take the stand, and she said, no, he, he never pushed me down the stairs. In fact, I, I slipped and fell down the stairs, and he carried me back to the room and got me medical attention. Yeah. Well, that didn't really work out well for it, did it? Yeah, that backfired big time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm actually surprised. I'll, I'll, I guess the cynic in me is surprised at the outcome of the verdict. Um, and I, and I, and the reason why I mentioned that is that I feel like a lot of times in domestic violence cases where men are the victims and I don't think they, they certainly don't occur, or at least we don't think they occur as frequently as women are victims in in uh, domestic violence cases, I feel like a lot of times the men already have some sort of marks against them because we're, because we're men. Um, but I have no real proof to, to prove that. It just seems like in the court of public opinion, once that claim is made, regardless of what comes about in the, in the court of law, I feel like a lot of times your reputation is still, is still tarnished to a certain degree. Right. So. It's one of those things that once it happens, there's no take backs. You know, it's just like when there's a reporting of insert crime here and it's all over the papers even if the person is cleared and acquitted from whatever the charge may have been there's no disclaimer and even if it airs a disclaimer it's in like you know number three font on like the last page buried somewhere like oh by the way we got this wrong there's never any ownership for it yeah like in, in the case now in the kyle rittenhouse case that that's a very unique situation but i mean regardless of the outcome his reputation is still tarnished no matter what. Right, because there's still people always that be believe known. the initial narrative. Yeah. There's people that still, when the whole thing with Ukraine first yeah. started, right? Yeah. I remember seeing somebody on social media that was saying, well, wouldn't it be nice if Kyle Rittenhouse's mother would just drop him off in Ukraine and he could straighten the whole thing out? Well, that if you paid attention to the actual case, that didn't never happen. His mother never dropped him off. 
and that that's what I think occurs a lot of times with these with these lawsuits or these articles and they're not they're not completely lying but what they end up doing is they they end up they end up putting they end up putting thoughts into people's heads that that they know can't that that they know the general public generally can't shake like they'll they won't like you have people that that will form an opinion on a headline just like we've seen over the past several years whether it's regards to the pandemic or something else going on a headline really just form helps people form opinions and that's it and they will not stray from that from that logic and that's why i think a lot of times these cases occur not necessarily to win the case but more so to in just inflict enough damage because when it comes to something like this you're always going to be if you're if you're the defendant you're always going to be marked one way or another as being some sort of aggressor does that make sense or am i no am I no absolutely i completely agree with you i agree with you like uh, regardless anything happening i mean even after this whole circus like you know Depp wants to say that he gets his life back after this case, but really there's not going to be a mark of getting your life back after this case until he starts getting cast in movies again or picked up in roles that were lost because of this whole thing. And Mm -hmm. after this circus, I mean, do you think that's really going to happen? I mean, I don't know if I was a producer, I'd kind of stay away from him for a while. Yeah. In in the way Hollywood is, in the way Hollywood is. He's a very high draw right now. Could be, could be. Um, you were saying the it, way Hollywood is. Yeah, the way Hollywood is super you. woke. I, I, I think that they're they're part of that group of people that will make their minds up based on headlines, mm-hmm. and will want to go go along with everybody else with this, you know, Me Too movement type of thing. So I, I, I don't know, but I, I'm, and again, I, I could be completely full of shit, but I agree with you. Um, I mean his life will only really get back to normal once he starts getting cast in movies again or in some other roles. Yeah, exactly. So, but time will tell. I mean, like I said, I started to say before it, 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 maybe it could be the opposite, right? Maybe it could be like this. Well, the iron's pretty height or excuse me, the iron's pretty hot. So might as well strike right now. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's two ways, two ways about it. Yeah. You are correct. Yes. So, um, Skip around here. Um, I filled up my gas tank today. I got a four door sedan. It cost and $85 and it was on regular, not so super, what, not premium, regular. So, what interest rate did you get for that mortgage? <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny because there's this gas station that I stopped in. Sometimes you can't use your, your debit card from the pump, you'll have to go in and see attendant. I was waiting for it to say that because I was like, well, if it asked me to see the attendant, there's probably paperwork that has to go along with this. But <laughs> it's just insane and it just continues to go up. I don't know here in Connecticut, there was for some time, there was a, a tax relief um, on gas. I guess that's... Gas tax. Yeah, the so gas tax. Pay. I guess it's it's expired. So we're back to paying full price. I mean, oh, wonderful for, for regular, I think it was like four... 98 or something like that 498 gallon yeah 
I, I mean, if you think that's bad, I heard some places in California are approaching $8 a gallon. That's insane. Yeah. That's just, I mean, it's not, it's just not sustainable. But how's this for that? Kicking the balls because, you know, California is really pushing the whole electric vehicle thing. And there's reports that have come out that said that their power grid cannot support if everybody's on electric vehicles. It's going to crash. I mean, yeah. I mean, so you're, you're forced to buy an electric vehicle. You can't, you can't use air conditioning in your home. You can't water your lawn. You can't use extra water that you want. I mean, people, you know, please keep, please remind me why, what is the reason why you continue to live in California? <laughs> Just makes no sense whatsoever. Especially if these businesses are leaving. Yeah. I mean, Tesla left California. They're in Texas now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Elon Musk, did you see him today? He said, uh, talking about people showing up to work. Yeah. If you don't work a 40 hour work week, you might as well find yourself somewhere else. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I mean, for the past couple of years and I, so I've been working quote unquote remote for the past almost eight years um, since I left clinical practice and didn't work in hospital anymore, worked mostly from home and then traveled to whatever territories that I covered. Um, I, I think one thing that really gets lost in remote work, especially when you're meeting with, with customers, when you're doing things remotely, and I, I experienced it today in a call, um, it's very difficult to read the room. It's very difficult to, to, to gauge people's body language and how they're reacting to certain things that you're saying. And uh, so I, so Two different scenarios. Last week, I actually drove all the way down to State College, Pennsylvania, to a, a hospital down there to present some of our solutions that the hospital was interested in, in contracting with us. Um, the conversation went absolutely fantastic. Um, There's a lot of a lot of um, interaction back and forth. It wasn't like we were just lecturing to them. Um, we were able to see like people's reactions on their faces. They asked very in-depth questions. Contrast that with the call I had today with, uh, with a, a hospital um, a little further down south. And I was presenting and I was sharing my screen on what I was presenting. And I couldn't see the people's faces. Um, my supervisor said that he, he, I debriefed with him afterwards. And he said that like he was watching them and he said that like, you know, a lot of times they're looking down at their phones and one guy actually got up and left the room or something like that. So the interaction of being remote with other people is is night and day difference from being face to face with them. Now, that's interacting with customers, but even with with your coworkers, being able to interact with your coworkers, too, is vastly different. Um, you can have more in-depth conversations. It's more personable. So I, I mean, I agree with them. If you could get back to, to working in person, I mean, that if you want the economy to really come back, I mean, that's going to have a big impact on it as far as I'm concerned. Right. And also, I mean, he made a great point in saying, you know, this is, th- these hours are expected of our factory workers. Why can't we have mm-hmm. our office workers doing the same? And exactly. then of course he acquired Twitter recently and he's looking at that Silicon Valley office and saying, maybe I should turn this into a homeless shelter because nobody's showing up here. Everybody's trying to work remotely. Yeah. Agreed. Imagine that though, Silicon Valley, like these big tech companies, everybody people oh. are driving down Google, Oracle, all these 
and then Cisco, and then you, you pass Twitter, and it's just a shanty town. It's just the homeless shelter. <laughs> it's like there's a hey. certain there's a certain type that comes with homeless shelters, right? There's a lot of, you know, I mean, I I don't mean want it to sound like I'm taking a dump on on homeless people at all. I mean, people have certain circumstances, but it's not exactly your most ideal situation. Vast majority of it is due to mental illness. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But, you know, drifting off topic, you know, talking about our gas prices getting so high, a lot is obviously to do with the whole conflict in Ukraine and people banning, um, banning Russian oils. And now everybody's basically forced to get their product from this limited amount of countries. So obviously that's going to drive the price up. You spoke about it before and, and OPEC is basically the ones that are responsible for setting global uh, oil prices per gallon. Um, but what do you think that's going to do? You know, like we are, we're doing this ourselves, right? We're all yeah. saying, okay, collectively, we're not going to buy from them. So who's really taking the beating here in the pocket? We are. We're taking the beating because we're saying we don't want to get oil from this place anymore because we don't like what they're doing. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It is. I mean, it's like, we're, it's like shooting yourself in the foot. Right. To be quite honest. But I mean, I think and I, I don't know what the international legal implications of this are, but let's say, for instance, the U.S. were to say, you know what, fuck the rest of the world, we're just going to produce oil and natural gas and whatever else we need to produce for ourselves, and we're not going to be trading on the, on, the, on the international stage or on the international market. I, I don't know how that works, if, if, that, would even, if, if that would even fly. But, I mean, if, if we can produce our own oil and be energy independent, then do we really need to rely on the rest of the world? Now, maybe that'll make the economies of the rest of the world collapse because then the price of, of, of oil will be, will be absolutely through the roof more so than it is now, especially if we're not contributing to that. Right. So I, I don't know what the implications of that are. I'm just making shit up. But I mean, if the US really wanted to, to make some change in the world, say, you know what, the hell with you, we're, we're just going to keep our, our, our fuel internal. We're not going to trade with anybody else. We're not going to import any any oil from anybody else. We're just going to keep it all here in the United States. And we're going to control our own prices. Just take us off the OPEC spectrum completely. Yeah. Mm. Yep. But this whole conflict I would with consider. the Ukraine and Russia has just got people... There's some craziness to it. And I bring this up because moments before... I mean, by the time this podcast hits the air... Um, it's going to be a few days from now. So game one of the uh, NBA championships uh, will long be over. But before the game started, they were talking about Brittany Gurnier. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, that's a WNBA star that's being detained in Russia. Um, she, was see, she, she was detained going through uh, an airport where they found THC uh, cartridges. So marijuana cartridges for like a vape pen, if you will. And, mm -hmm. you know... Some, it, it, it went on and it had several different players from the NBA saying how she was being detained for basically no reason and this and that. Like, it, it's not for no reason. And I'm, listen, she's a United States citizen. I would like for her to come home. That's where I want her to be. I, I, I can't imagine being stuck in a Russian prison, especially right now, especially being an American, right? Mm -hmm. Um. But what you have to understand is she was in another country and broke a law. 
So you're not subject to California laws. I know you're saying because it's California. And even the, even the NBA in general, the, the NBA, marijuana is not listed on a banned substances anymore. They don't test for it. Mm. So I understand the perspective of that. However, when you're playing in another country, you're playing by their rules. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know what their rules are. I remember this reminds me of years ago. Remember in Singapore, there yeah. was the person was like they were they were like spray painting or something like that and got arrested, <laughs> and then they were he was being caned. Yeah, leading up to it, you know, yeah. it was just like hey, we don't, don't mean candy canes. No, no, he had his butt spanking with a fucking bamboo bamboo cane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this is this is what people have to understand. This this goes to speak to a broader issue, which is, you know, people complain about being in the United States, but we're not nearly as tyrannical and not nearly as, you know, changing the rules of the game as we go along as other countries do. So when when you have governments with absolute power. And there's no one to challenge them for that this is the type of bullshit that you get right now. This is why you have a separation of powers. This is why you don't have your president be act like a dictator. This is why, you know, you should really put the reins on, on Congress. Like we have here in the United States is to ensure that everybody is, is that there's checks and balances all over the place and not where people could just make shit up as they go and just come up with these, these cockamamie rules that, that don't seem to make a lot of sense. So, but this is what you get when you, when you ask for your government, when you give, when you forfeit more freedoms to your government, this is the, this is what you get. So <laughs> careful what you wish for with something like this. Seriously. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's crazy. Like this whole conflict over there. And now you're still seeing, you know, there, there was almost this glimmer of hope that people had hoped for when they saw that Russian forces were, you know, somewhat withdrawing in Ukraine. And what all we've seen is just basically them kind of rally up and, and take a different approach. The thing yeah. is, is it's not, it doesn't take up as much as the news anymore. So I don't really know what is going on anymore. Last I heard, it seemed like Russia was controlling 20% of Ukraine. And it was but mostly it, in the Eastern region. But wasn't that the case before? Like I, south, I, I think so. I, I never portion of Ukraine was under yeah. Russian control for some time. Is that still 20%? Has there been any progress or are they just basically bombing what they already own? I, I, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, that's the first time I've heard that figure. Um, but it, you're right. It could very well be just the same territory, just that they finally, you know, put a definition to it or at least like put a, a, a an amount to it or put a metric on it. We've got this thing in our country, you know, you're talking about leaders and what our leaders are doing right now, trying to push through some kind of new legislation. You, you sent me a, a proposal of the new bill. Um, I didn't get a chance to read it, kind of glanced through it, um, raising age of firearm sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after this, this tragic shooting, Uvalde, Texas, we, we, we touched on it last week. Um, more has been unpacked about the actual killer. You know, what's crazy is, you know, you get this six degrees of separation kind of thing. One of my colleagues at work, his brother is actually attached to that unit, that border patrol unit that went in and neutralized the, 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 the shooter. Yeah. 
So it's he wasn't there that day, but you know, I, I mean, we beg to question. You know, I kind of went through the timeline last week talking about you know when he left and like the gaps and. Still, that's under question. I mean, just reading the initial timeline, because all this was new and not yet had there been this big kind of awakening after, you know, into, wow, you know, the response was absolutely horrific. Uh-huh. You now everybody was kind of just still processing it. And, you know, right away, some some bells went off. You know, they're, they're, they talk a lot about the police response, but you can't pin it all on law enforcement because there's doors that were propped open or doors that weren't locked and these there's reasons that these safeguards are in place. No, you're right. And it seems like it was a perfect storm of events in terms of lack of response and non-response altogether. And, and again, not, not just with law enforcement, it was just very, very odd. And I, I don't know if you saw any headlines on this, but apparently the, the, the Uvalde chief of police stopped cooperating with authorities. Yeah, but how he's like trying to take a, a position in the town council. It's so odd. It's very bizarre. What's very bizarre to me is is how there's so much that's happening right now when it comes to gun violence. How much yeah. is they getting attention? I mean, granted, you know, days before this shooting in Uvalde, there was the shooting in in uh, upstate New York in uh, Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. Which I didn't know this. Because this shooting happened before we really got a chance to unpack much from it as far as details, we had this other shooting. And yeah. when it's a shooting and little kids are involved, obviously, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the focus of attention. And especially yeah. this one where there, where there was so much that actually went wrong. But I didn't know this about the, the Buffalo shooting. It was like another one of those situations where he had a GoPro on and he was live streaming it. Did you know this? No, I didn't know that. So similar to like the the shooting in Christchurch in in New Zealand, mosque. Yeah. yeah. So somebody I know had it. Yeah. Started trying to show it to me, and after like the first ten seconds, seeing somebody get killed, I'm like, I'm all, I can't watch this. Yeah. It, it, it looked so much like a video game. It's it, it's and and this is the thing that I that I don't hear people talking about is the root cause of the problem. It is severe mental illness or and or uh, extremist ideologies. Well, in this case, it was extremist ideologies because his yeah. targets were specifically African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, is in part of this video where he's walking around just indiscriminately, well, I say indiscriminately, but he was completely discriminatory. Um, where he's just shooting, he's shooting black people. There was a part where, and this is like right after this happened, I was like, no more for me. He aims it. There's a there's a guy cowering in between two registers on the floor. Gets the weapon raised. Uh, he's a white man. Screams, mm-hmm. just screams. He thinks he's gonna die. Screams. It's a white guy. Like I said, you hear the shooter say, "Oh, sorry," and move on. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. It's yeah. sickening. It is. And not, not not that not that he should have been, you know, an equal opportunity murderer and killed that guy too, but the fact that you the fact that you you have this mindset that you just want to kill other people of a certain race just because is right. it's sickening. I mean, it, it, we've seen this repeated throughout history. 
and that's what I was going to get to and, because and, <laughs> I don't hate anybody. And I think I could say the same thing about you. I mean, we're, we're pretty level headed when it comes to that. Like, in fact, I, I like most people. I, I like pretty much anybody. Like I hear people that I'm friends with, like, ah, oh, this dude, I can't stand this dude. And I'm like, oh, I, I like him. And the, the response has been, yeah, but you like everybody. So it's even yeah. harder for me to take, to see this, but Never mind hating somebody to the point where you're that enraged that you want them dead. And the only reason you want them dead is because of the skin they're wearing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, when, when you work in healthcare or in the sciences altogether, I mean, you're, you're exposed to people of all different races, religions, or races. Yeah, races, religions, everything. Uh, people from all different cultures from around the world. You have to you have to work with these people for the you know for the for the common for the for the commonality of treating sick people. I mean that's that's what you do, and I mean like you know physically ill people. You have to work together to 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 help these people. Out. I worked with people that are you know that are of the Sikh religion. I worked with Muslims. I worked with Jews. I worked with black people with straight up Africans right from Africa. I've, I've I've worked with people from South America, from Eastern Europe, from from the Far East, the Middle East, everything. India. I, I've worked with all sorts of people, and everybody is a good person. There's no reason why you should be hating anybody. Now, if somebody's a dick toward you, okay, I get it. They're a dick. It's probably a reason why they're being a dick, but it doesn't mean that you you want them dead. And it doesn't mean that you want everybody like them of a skin similar skin color or similar religion or similar, you know, similar, you know, background or what region in the world they come from, you want them dead. I mean, if you, if you're ever getting to that point, you really need to realize there's something wrong with you. It's not, there's, there isn't something wrong with them. It's you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and, and the reason why is that I think you and I can, and other people like us can easily put ourselves in other people's shoes where we could be the victim of some sort of extremist ideology or some sort of, you know, be the victim of, of, of a deranged person who, who's just intent on killing people just for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. We can easily be those victims too. And that, that, that's what people with these extremist ideologies don't seem to understand is that they always view themselves as, as, being, as being the superior person in that relationship. But we know throughout human history, everybody has, every single race of person, every single religion, uh, we've all been subject to slavery or some sort of tyranny at one point or or one point or another due to another government or another madman or something to that effect. So just to completely dismiss that that's never going to happen to me is bullshit because it's happened to everybody all throughout history. It, it just, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to, to see these extremist ideologies and just how deranged these people are. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about this is that, you know, I see people in my line of work that have this, you know, very yeah. extremist ideology. Um, and in my line of work, it, there's a chance that they could have acted out in something like this. But the thing is, is that what I always found interesting is that you know, other white people, um, pe- other, other white people, but white people that have this extremist ideology or basically, you know, 
white supremacist ideology. Look at other white people and think that they feel the same way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy how people that just because they're like, oh, well, he's white, so he must feel the same way as I do. No, sorry, dude. I I don't also, I don't share that with you. I don't dislike people that are other colors. In fact, I had a conversation that was similar to the one that we're having right now um, the other day with a, a, a colleague of mine. And I was, you know, he's talking about, he's like, what's wrong with diversity? I was like, you know what? But diversity is one of the things that I enjoy most about life, about being yeah. a human being. Yeah. I like the fact that there's different people. If everybody was the same as me, I like myself. I love myself. However, I don't want to be around Pretty myself. Pretty fucking boring. Right. It would be boring. You would have nothing to learn from one another. Yeah. So I, I think it's cool. Like, look at yourself. Like, you're in, you're in a mixed marriage, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely, and they're very ethnically heavy, if you will. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. very heavy Italian side. You know, it's a, very, it's a very powerful ethnicity, as is Puerto Rican, right? These are two, these are two different uh, very strong personalities that really yeah they're very strong i mean <laughs> you're very you're, you're not like a mild italian person maybe you had like a, a horn necklace when you were a teenager you know you 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 had a couple pres- you preserve your own meat in your basement yeah you press your exactly. own wine you are as italian as they come yep you know and <laughs> and, and your, your wife is a beautiful amazing woman and and in her family and I, I love the fact that if you go to a event at your home you're going to get the best of both worlds yeah and you know funny funny sidebar story about that when we first started dating i don't know if i told the story on previous episodes but we, we actually met on match.com no and, shameless um, plug right there yeah whatever it is what it is what is it like one in five marriages uh, occur because of uh because of online dating good man it takes the bar scene yeah. out of the equation yeah, exactly. I mean, why why spend so much money at the bar? But anyway, so so I you know I'm, I'll, I'm, I was on match one day, just kind of like taking my shotgun approach to see what was out there, and uh, you know, basically fishing with dynamite. And uh, and I came across her profile, and I saw that you know she she said you know I come from a big loud Hispanic family, so you know whoever I end up dating needs to be able to to tolerate a a, a loud Hispanic family. So I was like challenge accepted so i sent her a message back and the subject of my message said you know big loud hispanic families are are fun dot 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 and then the body of the message i said but the real question is can you handle a big loud italian family (laughs) and so i guess she said on her end challenge accepted so that's how we actually met we started talking and then after a while that we started dating she came to one of our family events it wasn't like a holiday or anything i think it was just like a family get together or something and she leaned over to me and she's like, yeah, remember that thing that you sent, that message you sent me on match about big, loud Hispanic families? So I was like, yeah, why? She's like, you guys definitely win. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. We're as Italians, we're, we're very overwhelming. Uh, it's just, it's just part of our nature. I don't know what it is, but we're, we're very loud. We're very passionate about everything. <laughs> yeah. It, it's fun though. I've been fortunate enough to, to meet your family on several occasions in, in your functions and it's, it's a good bunch. It's all in fun. There's nothing. Yeah. It's everybody's got a personality and, it, and they let oh, it yeah. shine and they let it yep. shine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's not for the faint of heart. Let's put it that way. No, no, no. <laughs> No, but that's just a great example of how people could be different and then come together. 
you no, know exactly and, and, uh, and go ahead no i was, I was gonna say it's just like it uh, I, I think people who who enjoy diversity and and embrace the idea of diversity are people who who generally speaking want to learn more about things in general, and they're curious people. They they want to learn about new things. Like you know this whole thing about oh if you ask somebody their race or their religion or their age or something like that, then it's it's considered to be a microaggression. It's like no, I'm curious to learn about people. I I, I want to genuinely know somebody's background. Like if you have what appears to be a foreign name to most Americans, I'm going to ask you where where are you from? What's your what's your ancestry? Uh, you know where where does your family come from? I'm curious to know because I want to learn about other people and just what they do. It's very fascinating. I mean, I I grew up mostly around Italians, so when I when I encountered somebody like especially somebody like a friend's grandparent who spoke English, I was like, what the fuck is this? Because all four of my grandparents only spoke Italian. Yeah. And, and everybody else's grandparents that I knew around me only spoke Italian. So when I encountered a, you know, a grandparent that spoke a, a completely different language, especially English, it was just, it was like a foreign concept to me. So diversity wasn't a big part of my upbringing. Mm -hmm. But as you get out into the world, you go to college, you get into the workforce as a professional, you encounter different cultures and, and, and it's much more diverse. And you get to learn a lot more things. It's, it's, it's great as far as I'm concerned. So why people with these extremist ideologies that, that just don't like this idea altogether, that hate people that are different from them, it, it just, it, it's, it's baffling as to why you wouldn't want to learn about other people, why you wouldn't want to learn about their cultures. I mean, you're, you know, <laughs> if, if you think you're the greatest, you probably aren't. Okay. I'm sorry to break it to to anybody who, who, who thinks so highly of themselves. But if you think that your race and your culture and your religion is the best on the face of the earth, you're, you're completely out of your fucking mind. Get out there and learn about other people and what they do. Because there's good people everywhere in the world. If we just learn more about each other, the world would be a hell of a, a better place. I agree with you. One thing that I, you know, I can't help thinking is that I wonder if the people that are so white supremacist and racist and and have these i don't know whatever ideas of how a person is supposed to be you know a lot of times they're they're not fans of foreigners right mm -hmm. of basically of anywhere but i wonder what would happen if you could take somebody like that and it, you talking about like your grandparents you know and how they only spoke italian i wonder if you could take somebody like that and then throw them back in time to meet their you know, five generations, somebody that they would mm -hmm. have never met before. Yeah. Like somebody from the old country, because if mm -hmm. you're white and you're here, you came from somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if they could meet somebody from their family from generations ago and sit and talk with them and see that, you know what, at one point, my generation, at one point, my lineage was not as, I don't know, Americanized as. Yeah, it wasn't as pure. Are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it... <laughs> I mean, and then maybe find out that their maybe find out that their heritage was "quote unquote" stepped on somewhere along the way. It, it was. It's interesting that you say that because I mean, for people who've ever done like any of these like ancestry.coms or twenty three and Me, like just to see what your ancestral background is. I mean, if you did that, it's it's pretty eye opening to see to see the you know what potential diversity is in your family. I know I've mentioned it before in other episodes, like. You know, yes, I'm my culturally I'm Italian, but apparently I'm only 35% Italian by genetics. 
30% Greek, 18% Iberian, 12% North African, Sephardic Jew, which I never would have expected, and 4% Middle Eastern. Now, if you put all that together, it's very it's it's logical to think, well, this was the Roman Empire back in the day. So I'm not very surprised by any of that. But to but to think that I'm not, you know, purely Italian, it was it was kind of a, a shocker, I guess. But at the same time, it was also like, that's actually pretty cool. Because now now like I know that from years, and I'm not talking like a couple of generations, but thousands of years back, you know, what ultimately funneled into who I am. There were many, there are a diverse group of people who came together and built families. And it's, it, it, there was actually a commercial on that years ago with a guy from England that apparently completely disliked Germans. He hated Germans. And it, it was, it was pretty, it's pretty interesting to see like his reaction to when they asked him about that. And then when he did his ancestry, he found out he's actually part German. It's like, well, dude, I mean, if you're in England and your family has been there for hundreds of years, more than likely you've probably originated from the northern part of Europe, more specifically speaking, around the German region. So, <laughs> you know, to, to think that, that because only what you see in front of you is what your history has been is complete bullshit. You need, really need to open your, your eyes up to all of that. Hearing that story made me think of that old uh, Dave Chappelle skit with the, the blind man that's in the KKK and then finds out <laughs> that he's black himself. And then he hates his wife because she's an N, N-word lover. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this whole gun thing, it's... Uh-huh. I, I never thought I would say this, but it's it's definitely getting out of hand. It's definitely getting out of hand, but like, what's the solution? Because you talk to some people and it's just like, well, we need to ban assault rifles. And it's like what you talked about last week. Well, what is the definition of an assault rifle? And, you know, when asking, I mean, somebody very close to me, um, you know, I was like, well, what do you think the move is? Well, ban assault rifles. Well, define assault rifle. What makes an assault rifle? Well, it's able to, it's able to fire multiple rounds. Well, that's, that's a lot of guns are like that. I mean, we don't, the only time you have a black powder rifle or a musket is, is just to, to hunt. Right. And there's a certain time of the year. Yeah. Right. Right. But even bolt action weapons. They would ban those. No, but I'm just saying those, like they have magazines are just bolt action. You know, some of them, obviously you little like a 50 caliber or something like that. But even then some of those are there, they have magazines. Yeah. But it just goes to show that people don't don't know what they're talking about. It, it it's all emotional, right? It's all emotion driven. It's not logical. Knee jerk reactions. Yes. I mean, I do think that there needs to be certain screening processes. I don't think it should be like, you know, like. And that's the thing we talked about this briefly last week. In just regards to, you know, people see one state and you like push this idea but on a national level you know it'll be like well we need to do background checks and even gun owners in, in connecticut will be like well no it's the second amendment it's our right to bear up hold on chief you live in connecticut you already have to have a background check done we're talking about just making it mandatory for every state because yeah. some of these states like take for example um you shared this article with me about tulsa oklahoma was that today yesterday that was i think yesterday yesterday so on tuesday uh June 1st, right? That's what that would yeah. be. So when's it June 1st? Um, 
a patient of an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I guess he had surgery. Was it he, he had surgery on his back? Back surgery, yeah, on the nineteenth. Yeah. Um, right. And Jesus, he didn't give much of a chance, huh? No, he was discharged on the twenty fifth of May. Then complained of continual back pain. Well, yeah, you just had an operation, numb nuts. What the hell's wrong with you? So anyway, oh. what what, I, what we know about it is that he was complaining about back pain. He's been calling, trying to get some kind of help, and who knows? I mean, there's been times where you know you're trying to get talk to a doctor and sometimes they're just so busy you don't get a chance to i could see it as being frustrating but not to this level and yeah this guy must have been arrested before because i think the stock photo that we saw is attached to the article was that a mugshot <laughs> it looked like it where his eyes were basically falling out of his head i think i didn't look yeah. like he was wrapped too tight as far as that picture would give me the illustration however yeah. got pissed off um i guess he tried calling the doctor's office in the morning kind of got got the run around three hours later went into a, a store just over the counter, bought an AR-15 and decided to go just take out what I think he, three uh, orthopedic surgeons there, including a receptionist. So And a patient. Yeah, a patient got killed too. Another patient, yeah. He he tried, apparently he tried blocking a door so other people can escape. And I guess the guy shot through the door and killed him. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and then he turned the gun on himself. Yeah, and and again, I mean, we're we're ignoring the root cause of the problem, which is either extremist ideology or severe mental illness. I've been in extreme pain too. A lot of people have been in extreme pain. My dad had a back surgery years ago, and he was in a lot of pain for weeks. It, it's common. You can't expect to come out of surgery. I mean, you you've had controlled trauma inflicted upon you you can't expect to not have any pain now should it be managed should it be tolerable yes you can't expect to be completely pain-free because that has its consequences too when you over medicate somebody right you've seen that happen over and over again but if you don't if you don't if you don't address the root cause of these problems and it's not just gun violence and this is what people need to understand. When you're talking severe mental illness, it's not just gun violence inflicted on other people. It's gun, gun violence and other forms of violence inflicted upon yourself in the form of suicide. It's substance abuse. It's eating disorders. It's gambling problems. These are all due to severe mental illness. These are not normal behaviors. So again, you could take the tool away, but you still haven't addressed all these other issues. Okay. If I'm a deranged madman and now you've, you've impeded my, my ability to go purchase a firearm, let's just say the laws are perfect. Okay. If I'm a madman, I'm still going to get in a car, go to a Memorial Day parade and just run over, you know, dozens of people just for the, for the hell of it just because it sounds like a good idea in my twisted fucking mind. So now instead of killing 20 people with a gun, I've killed 20 people with a car. So what's next? We take away all the cars. We, we ban cars. And I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but this is the logic that you have to understand. Again, you are not addressing the root cause of the problem. You know, it's interesting you bring up the car thing because I feel like there was a story about something similar to that. Um, just recently, a few week few or something like ago. that. Yeah. 
in how quickly they dropped that story because yep. I feel like people were going to make that same argument because it didn't it didn't fit the narrative. It was like a, that, it was like a festival or something like that, some yeah. kind of street festival, and some lady, I guess, rode her car through it. Yeah, I think it was in Nebraska, if I remember something. correctly. But I mean, it, again, you're you're not addressing the root cause of the problem. Now, if if our mental illness treatment here in the United States was was fucking one hundred percent crisp and clean. Okay, then you have an argument to say, okay, we need to control guns more. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have completely open season on guns and, and you know, everybody could get whatever the hell they want and have it be a free-for-all. That's not what I'm suggesting. Yes, you, de- you do need to have some sort of regulations in place for people to purchase firearms because they are tools to maim and kill people. That's what guns are designed for. But there has to be a healthy balance with that. There's a reason why we have a second amendment in in this country. There's a reason why our founding fathers came up with this idea because they saw what happened throughout history. And even at that time, when they were trying to make this country be independent from great Britain, they knew that tyrannical governments have oppressed their people over and over and over time and time again, throughout human history. And even after that, and I think I mentioned that in the last episode, if, if you look at the, the, the 20th century alone, about 361 million people worldwide died directly or indirectly at the hands of tyrannical governments, either through directly through war and being executed or just being you know, victims of starvation and disease because of these governments not taking care of their people. So when, when your hands are tied and you can't defend yourself, tyranny can take over and do whatever the fuck it wants with you. Mm-hmm. But when you have the second amendment, like what we have, and you have these quote unquote weapons of war in the civilian population that keeps your government at bay. And people may not want to think that, and you could completely ignore all of that if you want, but just look back within the past hundred years and what's happened, whether it was the Soviet union, whether it was Nazi Germany, whether it was the communists in, in, uh, in China, or the, these, these dictators throughout Africa and the Middle East, or South America, for that matter. I mean, you don't have to look that far back in history to see exactly what happened. So it, and, and it, it's funny, because I, I was on Facebook today, right before we got on, we started recording. And it was interesting, because it, it, what happened in Ukraine, as soon as Russia started invading Ukraine, what did the Ukrainian government do? What was the first thing that they did? Oh, yeah. Started handing out guns to all their, yeah, their citizens. <laughs> exactly. But meanwhile, we already have it. Meanwhile, we already have it. And people are looking to do away with it as, as a knee-jerk reaction to something yeah. that obviously um, is terrible as it is. It is terrible. But it, it know, absolutely this goes back to terrible. what we were initially saying, that there does need to be a deeper screening process and you know, just a basic hold you know, you have to wait for like, do, do you ever really, what kind of situation is it that you need to walk in other than you're trying to, to mow down your orthopedic surgeon that, you know, give you back pain. When do you ever need to go in and get it that day? I mean, she's, I ordered a pair of golf shoes and I was okay with waiting the four days for them to come in from whatever I ordered them from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean that, that, that's just set up red flags right away. Like if you're, if you're there to buy something, you need it that day, like that's a problem. 
like if I, if I were the gun if I were the gun dealer or whatever I'd be like uh we might want to wait on this let's let's you know let's let's check some things out first why do you need it today <laughs> you never wanted a gun before but today you want it and you need it now I mean it's it's one thing if like China is invading yes I need it today okay right. it's a different story but when you don't have some large foreign adversary invading your country <laughs> you have time to wait right but you know i mean traditionalists will go back to saying well your constitutional right says that you have the right to bear arms so yeah you do there shouldn't be any standing in your anything standing in your way you should be able to go in and get one but that's the thing that's I understand not really the argument. standing in your way yeah right yeah so i don't know it's it's a it's a never-ending never-ending problem altogether yeah. right but there needs to be checks and balances you know what i mean yeah. it's it, we don't see this coming from other countries the other countries don't have the mass shooting epidemic that we do in, in in the united states well is that is that true i mean how far back do you have to go when you want to bring up an example i mean there's one what was it norway there was one that was like on the there was one on an island yeah like a camp yeah remember that years ago yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, there was, was an article like in, ten some odd years ago, I believe. I remember because I I used to subscribe to GQ magazine, and there was an article in it, basically, and it, it it was a story about you know what happened. It was a great article. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you don't see them to the magnitude that we see them here in the United States. I'm not saying that they don't happen in yeah. any in any other country. They don't happen to the frequency. In the magnitude yeah. that they happen here you know I mean, i'm I, sure that gun there, i'm sure that there's some shootings that happen in, in some seedy parts of different countries i'm sure that it happens especially you know in the middle east and, and the, like you know africa like nigeria like we always hear congo like the congos mm -hmm. there's plenty of guns going on down there but yeah. I, I don't think you know when you talk about like a first world country i don't think you see them like you see them here right no, you don't. But it, but it's that's not a purest. That's not a pure thing, though. I think first and foremost, how do you define a mass shooting? And I think it's there, defined the definition of a mass shooting. I think it's three or more victims. I mean, I, looking up the, four. Well, it's either three or four. But I looked on, uh, and it had last year. I think it was the like a. They're all registered. They're all registered. You could go to a website and you could find there was actually a catalog, a list of all the mass shootings last year. And I forgot what point of the year that I went to look, but there was actually one in a neighboring city here in Connecticut, Waterbury, Connecticut. There was a mass shooting there too because due to was, gang activity, right? Yes, yes. Yep. Was that reported on all over the media? Of course not. No, because it doesn't fit the narrative. Exactly. And that that's the issue that that people don't seem to understand is that they, they it's it's a knee jerk reaction. And it's oh you know it's a it's a it's assault weapons and we need to get rid of assault weapons and all this other stuff. But there's no real deep dive into into in, into this. Now any sort of gang activity where you get four or more people shot is going to qualify as a mass shooting. Yeah, it doesn't get it doesn't get reported on a regular basis because again it doesn't it doesn't fit the media narrative. It doesn't fit the extreme left agenda of we need to disarm the people of the United States. It doesn't fit that that narrative. They also never report on people that use firearms to defend themselves or other people. 
they never report on those because again, it doesn't fit the narrative. Just the other day, shortly after the, the, the Uvalde shooting, there was a mother that shot and killed the guy who had an, who had a, an AR-15 or some other rifle that was shooting at, at, a, at a graduation party. How many people actually heard about that? Not right. many. Right, right. But also, you know, I mean, we go back to talking about how like Buffalo, the Buffalo shooting didn't really take, it was kind of in the forefront for just a few days. And then you had Uvalde, which obviously, like I said previously, it involved children. So that takes center stage. But one thing that I think um, when it comes to the Buffalo shooting is that people don't want to go into narrative, speaking of what you just were, was I believe the person that neutralized the assailant was an uh, uh, off-duty police officer mm-hmm. who, who yeah. was able to, to shoot the, uh, shoot the yeah. problem there and eliminate the, the problem. But yeah, exactly. uh, you know, so once that, once that narrative comes into play, then I think a, a different hand gets played as far as the way that it's going to be portrayed. Yeah. And, and that's why you have a lot of a lot of regular people who just, you know, they, they go along with that knee jerk reaction. And, and then the, the argument comes down to, oh, well, why do you need a, a firearm that that's used on the battlefield? Well, technically, a hunting rifle could be used on the battlefield, too. And they're actually used quite often as sniper rifles. Right. Exactly. Um, so let, then let's take those away based on your logic. Let's yeah. take away pistols, too, because those are used on the battlefield as well. Well, Biden is also talking about banning certain caliber of weapons, too. He's talking about nine millimeters. And he said, you know, a, a 22, I could shoot you and it could neutralize the target. But also we wouldn't be the person wouldn't have to be killed. We would be able to have surgery and remove the 22. OK, Mr. President, I'm sorry. But what you don't realize is the way ballistics work. If somebody gets hit with a 22, that bullet is going to rattle around and destroy so many organs that it's most likely the person is not going to survive. Yeah. And the, the comment that he made of a nine millimeter blows out your lung. The fuck does that mean? It blows. It out makes your absolutely lung. no sense. So no what sense about whatsoever. a 40 caliber? What about a 40 caliber? Is that better? Yeah. Sir? Or a 45 or a 50 <laughs> for that matter. Or a 44 Magnum. Where you can probably take down a helicopter with one of those, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's so idiotic, and the thing is, is that the 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 lemmings in society will will take that information and just run with it, and they're like, oh well, you know why why do you have a need to own a machine gun? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You can't own a machine gun unless you have a certain certain federal firearms license. Why would you want one anyway? Like you, they're they're really not they're really not useful. Even in battle, uh, unless you use them for for suppressive fire, they're not very accurate. They're not there to really try to kill a lot of people at once on a battlefield. They're there simply to to get people to 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 duck out of the way so that they don't get hit with the fucking with bullets. Whereas right. semi-automatic rifles can be a, a hell of a lot more hell of a lot more accurate and a lot more deadly. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's it's completely illogical. It is. It is. I wonder where it's going to go. I wonder where it's going to go. I wonder where, you know, with the introduction of this new bill that we're we're sharing amongst each other. I wonder. If, I wonder what we're going to have to talk about next week as far as this because it's just being introduced, and you know, this is going to take up a bulk of the media attention over the next few days. Oh, absolutely. And the the narrative is going is going to be pushed on a regular basis. And talks of raising the age. I don't know. 
Yeah. We're running out of time here though, sir. You want to touch on this? uh, You want to touch on this strawberry hepatitis? So is this related to the hepatitis uh, surge that we were talking about last week, the week before? Completely unrelated. Unrelated. I thought we finally found the source. No, this is more of a, just a straight up hepatitis A outbreak that that's occurred in, in, uh, in strawberries from certain, um, from certain growers and that were sold in certain supermarkets. All these. And so completely unrelated to the acute hepatitis cases in kids. Yeah. I think they were finding these strawberries in Aldi and Trader Joe's, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hilarious because what a lot of people don't realize is that Aldi and Trader Joe's are owned by the same company. People look at people that shop at Aldi's and they're like, wow, what you shop there? Meanwhile, they shop at Trader Joe's and it's the same fucking product. Well, I kind of say the same thing about people that shop at Trader Joe's versus Whole Foods. (laughs) (laughs) Those peasants? Those peasants at Trader Joe's? I don't know, man. Whole (laughs) Foods is too rich for my blood. For the amount of stuff that I... I, But the funny thing is, is, you know, people talk about eating healthy. Yeah. And just mix in a salad once in a while. Lettuce is so cheap. It is, especially iceberg lettuce. It's so cheap to make a salad. And people yep. say it, ta- it costs too much money to eat healthy. I know. You are correct. I don't know. We'll leave you some Lionel Richie. Oh, Sif? Oach. Talk to you next week, buddy. You got it, boss. Peace. Peace. Peace.